Open your Bibles, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. And if anyone competes in athletics, he's not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Paul's described the Christian battle, the Christian struggle. Soldiers, we're in a war. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. And Lord, we, we want to be good soldiers. We want to please him who enlisted us. And so, Lord, we ask that, God, was one more time, God, you would just meet us here, that you would, Lord, prepare us, that you would equip us, for the war that we find ourselves in. We ask to God that you be glorified in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Certain traits that a soldier possessed, given in the first four verses. Soldier endures hardship. It's difficult. It's It's trying. It's going to be a hard road. A soldier, he abandons self. He don't live anymore for for the affairs of this life. He's really committed, as Pancho shared with us, man. You're you're sold out. You're indoctrinated. You're, You're now living your life for the kingdom of God. You've changed allegiance. Soldier, you're here to please one. Commander, chief, Jesus Christ. That's why you exist, man. That's why you're here. Because you've been set apart. You've been enlisted into his army. But unlike a soldier, in the Christian life, there's ground rules. You see... A war in, in, in the days that Paul is writing to Timothy, it was, it, it was free for all. It was no ground rules. It was, it was every man for himself. It was the, the, the Geneva Convention had not been written, written at that time. The only rule was there are no rules. But he says, not so. Not so for the Christian. Well, there's a lot of traits, there's a lot of characteristics, the the difficulties, the trials, the commitment, the abandonment. Well, yeah, that's part of the Christian life, but you have a set of rules that you live your life by. Those rules are what direct you and guide you. When you're competing for a prize, well, you see, everyone has to follow rules. Oh, we see it in the news all the time, don't we, guys? It's, it's well, a couple weeks ago, actually it was September 15th, a college football player accused of stabbing his rival. He stabbed him in the leg so that he can get the starting position. Sad. There's someone who's supposed to be his... his teammate, someone who's supposed to be working side by side, and, and here he comes along and, and stabs his own teammate so that he himself can, 
can be elevated, can be put into that first string position. Rules? It reminded me of the Olympics some year back. And remember when Nancy Kerrigan was hit by the husband of Tanya Harding in the leg so that she could take that position of skater in the Olympics. You know, it just, it just blows your mind that, that someone would be willing to, to go to those extents in order to... Well, you see, we're, we're in, a, in a competition as well. And in a competition, there's, there's a set of rules that you live by, that you go by. And what's interesting to me is I was studying this text in the King James Version that, that we're striving lawfully. The word athlean namimos in the Greek. It didn't speak of an amateur athlete. It spoke of a professional athlete. Someone who had devoted his life to to compete, someone who, who, you know, lived, breathed, slept, drank, that all of his life was revolved around that competition that he was going to live in. And there were rules that were set for him. And in following those rules, he could win the prize. In breaking the rules, he would lose all hopes of ever attaining to the very thing he lived for. And it's amazing to me as, he, as, we, as we look at the Christian life. You know, I, I think it's one thing to mess up when you, you, know, you, you, you know the rules and you just kind of, man, I, I blew it. But to know the rules and, and not follow them intentionally. I think of Sammy Soda, remember the cork bat, you know? You, you know, I mean, you go, oh, I didn't know it was a cork bat. No, no, you're a professional, man. You knew, you, you've been playing the game long enough. You knew exactly what was going on. You knew exactly what you were doing. You see, you were trying to, well, to kind of get away with something to make yourself get ahead. Well, not in the Christian life. You see, we, we've been set a, a, a set of rules. And when Paul is writing to the church of Corinth, and if you'd like to turn there with me, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. He says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you obtain, you may obtain it, And everyone who competes for the prize is tempered in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body, I bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. He says, we're in, a, we're in a race. you got to run in such a way that you want to win the race, that you, that you, you discipline your body. You, you make sure that, that you, you know, 
go the extra mile in order for your body to be disciplined for the race that, you're, that you find yourself in as a Christian, as a man of God. And, 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 and what blows my mind is that Paul comes to this point and he says, you know what? And if I don't bring my body into subjection when I preach to others, I can find myself disqualified. I can find myself sitting on the bench, man. Kind of watching from the grandstand as this Christian race continues. I'm just kind of watching going, man, watch them run, but I can't get involved myself. You see, from the human perspective, from a human point of view, you see, Paul was a loser, man. From men, from the natural man's eyes, you see, everyone had forsaken him in Asia. He, he had, you know, found himself in prison. He was suffering as an evildoer. From the human perspective, he was a loser. But from God's perspective, he was a winner. He was running the race well. He was fighting the battle like a champion. And it's amazing because you see here that as Paul is writing to Timothy, he's encouraging him, you know what, obey the word of God, Timothy. No matter what happens, no matter what people say, no matter what people do, that you're, you're, you're running the race not to please men. You're not here to please people. You're here to please the one who enlisted you. And it's him that you run the race for. It's him that you fight the battle for. You see, we're, we're in this together, man. And if there's any of the, the, the men of God that, that I look at as, the, you know, the warriors... One that you would say, man, I, I want to I model that kind of life. You know, David has to stand out. David. God said of him he was a man after God's own heart. He, this is the kind of guy that, you know, he was going out to battle. Remember King Saul said, well, you know, if you give me four, you know, give me 100 Foreskins of the Philistines, I'll let you have my daughter. Do you ever, do you ever just thought that through? <laughs> you know, those guys didn't give them up, brother, I'll tell you that. Oh, I know you want you know, her for your wife. Here, you can have mine. I doubt it. And David comes back not with 100, but with 200. And I, you know, you just, I'm, I'm visual and I just go, man, what, you know, what kind of came out of his pocket and he's like, here you go, Saul. <laughs> 200. <laughs> I, 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 I was kind of thinking that through. I thought, I wanted like a hunter with, the, you know, his little vest on and got some little pouches and just kind of gathering and put him in his pocket. Just, you know, <laughs> tells he had 200, man. And yet, you look at this man, and, 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 and there's, something, see, there's something you realize. I want you to turn to 1 Chronicles chapter 13. 1 Chronicles chapter 13.
Look at verse 1 with me. And David consulted with the captains of thousands and hundreds and with every leader. And David said to all the assembly of Israel, if it seems good to you, and if it is of the Lord our God, let us send out to our brethren everywhere who, everywhere who are left, our brethren everywhere who are left, watch this, in all the land of Israel, and with them to the priests and to the Levites who are in their cities and their common lands that they might gather together to us and let us bring the ark of our God back to us for we have not inquired at it since the days of Saul. And all of the assembly said that they would do so for the thing was right in the eyes, watch this, of all the people. Now, you look at, you look at, at David and, and he, you know, it looks like he's taking all the right steps. He went and told the leaders, and he said, hey, leaders, guys, you know, he gathered them together. He said, man, we need to get the ark of God back into Israel. Consulted with them. He even said there in verse 2, he says, if it seems good to you, and if it seems it is, it is of the Lord our God, let us go out and do this thing. So his, his intentions, I believe, were, were amazingly, you know, pure, and he desired to do what was right in the eyes of God. He's saying, guys, you know, if you're in agreement with me, if God's in this, you know, let's go for it. Let's bring back the ark. Good motive. You see, there's a lot of people with good motives that aren't playing by the rules. A lot of people that say, hey, man, you know what, my, you know, I'm, I'm trying my best. I'm, I'm trying to do what, what I think is right. Everyone is in agreement. Look at verse, verse 5. So David gathered all of Israel together from Shehor in Egypt as, to, as far as the entrance of Hamath to bring the ark of God from Kirjath Jerem. And David and all of Israel went up to Balah to Kirjath Jerem, which belonged to Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, the Lord who dwells between the cherubim where his name is proclaimed. So they carry the ark on a new cart from the house of Abinadab and Uzzah and Ohio drove the cart. And David and all of Israel played music before God with all of their might with singing on harps, on string instruments, on tambourines, on cymbals, and with trumpets. And when they came to children's threshing floor, Uzzah put put out his hand to hold the ark, for the oxen stumbled. And the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah, and he struck him because he put his hand to the ark, and he died there before God. They had a good plan. They had good motives. They're coming back, and and you know what blows my mind? They were worshiping God. Their hands were in there. The cymbals were playing. These guys, you know, were just pouring it out before the Lord, just saying, you know, just worship full on. 
But as they're going along the road, as they place the ark, the covenant right on top of this cart, one of the oxen stumbles. And Uzzah, I, I believe again, you know, good motives, good intention. He goes, you know, I didn't want, you didn't want the ark to roll over and fall. And he goes to try to hold it up and he dies. Wiped them out right there. And look, look at the next verse. This is what blows my mind. Look at verse 11. And David became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah. Therefore, that place is called Perez Uzzah to this day. You see, David, David got discouraged. He became afraid. He just felt like, man, you know, I, I'm trying to do what's right. And, and you know, man, I, all, I, all I wanted was the Lord's will. I, I, all I wanted was the children of Israel to be able to come in and inquire of the Lord. I, I just wanted to do things right. And maybe that's you here today, man. You just, you know what? You, some tragedies have happened, some difficulties, because maybe even some of the decisions you've made. Maybe you're going through some, some hardships, man. Maybe it's... Maybe it's divorce. Maybe it's a breakup of a relationship. Maybe because of some of your choices and things you've done. And you, you know, you, you're kind of like that place where David's at, man. You're just kind of angry that, you know, because of, the, because of the, the consequences of the actions that you've taken. Now, it tells us that David, verse 12, was afraid of God that day, saying, how can I bring the ark of God to me. So David moved, would not move the ark with him to the city of David. He, would, he took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. And the ark remained with the family of Obed-Edom in the house three months. And the Lord blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that he had. Yeah, isn't that wild? I mean, what a story. You know, you just kind of, you know, David's sitting there going, man, you know, God, 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 it seems like, you know, I can't do anything right. It seems like I'm messing things up. I, I'm afraid of God now. You might find yourself in that same boat, man. You know, it just seems like when I, when I try to walk the Christian life, it just, it just, it's hard. And it seems like I, you know, I, I somehow always stumble and, and I'm trying to do things. And even though my intention, you know, intentions are right, I, you know, I find myself just kind of afraid of God. I'm afraid that, that, man, if I blow it or if I mess up, I, I, think, I think David was in that place, guys, where I, I, find my, I have found myself, and, and probably you found yourself at some point or some time, where you just kind of feel like, man, you know what? I, 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 I can't do it. This is too big. It's too hard. This Christian life that we're supposed to be living, set apart for God, and, and you know, always trying to do the right thing and always trying to play by the rules. And, and yet, you, you, know what, you know what I find amazing is that God continues to extend his grace upon David even after this. And I know this, man. I know that. That as you stumbled and I've stumbled and we've blown it and we've messed up. You know what? Let me tell you something, man. The grace of God, as Bob was sharing, man, this morning, the grace of God is there to strengthen you. He's there to encourage you. Look, look, look at chapter 14. We're just going to kind of jump around from here on out. And, and, but I, I want you to notice a couple of things. 
Now Haram, king of Tyre, sent messengers to David and cedar trees with, with masons and carpenters to build him a house. So David knew that the Lord had established him as king over Israel for his kingdom was highly exalted for the sake of his people Israel. You see, God blessed them. He was giving them, you know, the, the, the materials to, to build his house. And, and David, David, you know, for, I, I think at this point, David's going, man, God must, you know, no longer be happy with me. God's kind of taken his blessings away from me, you know, killed one of my guys. And, and, then, and then God begins to, you know, he finds favor with this king of Tyre. And, and he gives him all the material he needs. And he goes, you know what? Then, then David knew that the Lord had established him as king over Israel. He's going, hey, you know what? God still has his favor on me. Even though I stumbled, even though I messed up, even though this thing that seems like, like God was against me, God continued to pour out his grace upon me. Well, I want you to jump down. Look at, look at, verse, look at verse 8 now. Now, when the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel, and all the Philistines went up to search for David, and David heard of it and went out against him, then the Philistines went and they made a raid on the valley of Rephaim. And David inquired of God, saying, Shall I go up against the Philistines? Will you deliver them into my hand? And the Lord said to him, Go up, for I will deliver them into your hand. You know what then the things you see is that David now, he's still what? He's still inquiring of the Lord, and God is still giving him direction for his life. Even though he stumbled, man. You're going to see this in a second, but, but I'm just trying to just kind of build this, guys, because this, this is what, what I was encouraged by. David, at chapter 13, he was, he was afraid of God. David had somehow thought God had turned his back on him, that God said, you know what, David, this is it. This, I know I'm done with you. And yet, you know, he sees God's favor upon his life. He sees here that, that, that God has given him wisdom, direction, and defeat over his enemy. Watch, I'll, I'll jump down a little bit further. Look at verse 13. And the Philistines once again made a raid on the valley, and therefore David inquired again of God. And God said to him, You shall not go up after them, circle around them, and come up upon them in front of the mulberry tree. And it shall be when you hear a sound of marching in the tops of the mulberry trees, then you shall go out to battle, for God has gone out before you to strike the camp of the Philistines. Guys, this was supernatural. It wasn't, now it wasn't just a battle that they were going and winning. You see, God says, okay, you know what, David, it's not just you going up against them. He says, I want you to you know, circle back, go around. He says, on the top of the mulberry trees, you're going to hear a rustling of the leaves. It's God going before you. And he's going to win this battle against the Philistines. Can you, can you imagine, you know, just, just, just being there and watching God's hand and God moving? There's the mulberry trees ruffling and saying, hey, man, the Lord's there. Let's go. And they charge out and we find out they wipe them out. Now watch this. Look at verse 15, chapter 15 now. David built houses for himself in the city of David. He prepared 
a place for the ark of God and pitched a tent for it. And David said, No one may carry the ark of God but the Levites. For the Lord has chosen them to carry the ark of God and to minister before him forever. And David gathered all of Israel together at Jerusalem to bring up the ark of the Lord into its place, which he had prepared for it. And David assembled the children of Aaron, the Levites, and a bunch of other guys. Verse 11. And David called Zadok and Abathar the priests. And for the Levites, for Uriel and Isaiah, Joel and Shimei and Eli and Abinadab, verse 12, watch. And he said to them, you are the heads of the father's house of the Levites. Sanctify yourself, you and your brethren, that you may bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel to the place I prepared for it. For because you did not do it the first time, the Lord our God broke out against us because we did not consult him about the proper order. You know what David realized? The reason that, that this tragedy had taken place earlier and, and Uzzah had to die because we didn't ask God how we're supposed to do this. We just kind of assumed that, you know, as long as we had the right motives, we had the right intentions, we, we really want to inquire. But we, he, didn't really, he didn't really go and say, you know what, God, how did you prescribe it? How did you say to do it? Look, look at the next verse. Look at verse 15. It says, "In the children of the Levites bore the ark of God on their shoulders by its poles as Moses had commanded according to the word of the Lord. Awesome changed. It wasn't just good intentions. It wasn't just good motives. Now I'm saying, you know what? I, I got to play according to the rules. God's word. I, I need to live my life that, in such a way that, God, what is it that you desire of me? How is it that, that I come to this place where, where God, I, I, I just want to live my life to please you. And the only way I can live a life that's pleasing to you is if I were to take your word and say, God, I want to do what this says. Oh, this, is my, this, is my, this is my instruction manual. You know what the word Bible means, right? B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions before leaving earth. That's it. You're to follow the instruction manual. God's word, man. And let me tell you what's going on. In our society today, guys, it, it's, it's no longer what God says. It's whatever I feel. Whatever emotion you know, I, I, I'm going through. And, 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 we're, and we're, we're taking very lightly the word of God. You don't live your Christian life by feelings. You don't live it by good motives. You live it by truth. And this is truth. Remember what Jesus says? Thy word is truth. Paul says, play according to the rules. It was, it was an incredible day. These guys were celebrating. It tells us that, that they, look, look, look at verse 16. Let's look a little bit at that. Watch this. David spoke to the children of the Levites to appoint their brethren to be the singers accompanied by instruments of music, string instruments, harps, and cymbals by raising the voices with a 
resounding joy. The Levites appointed Heman, the son of Joel, and his brethren Asaph, the son of Bershak, and their brethren, the sons of a bunch of guys. And these guys worship, man. These guys, you just, you know, they just, they just began to worship God because they realized, you know what? It wasn't because God was against us. It was because, man, we, 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 took his, we didn't take his word seriously. We didn't consult what he said to do. And I'll tell you, when it comes to your life today, man, and even though our world is changing fast, you know what? This is the only thing that's going to give you true direction. All this touchy-feely stuff going on in the churches, man. You know what? Guys, you know what? You better make sure that, that you're, you're being grounded in the truth of God's word. It has to be your, your compass. It has to be what sets the course. You're playing by the rules. See, David found out what it was like not to play by the rules. And I think it was that place where he felt disqualified. It felt like, like God had left him, but it was never God's fault. It was David saying, you know what? I, I really don't have to consult God in order to do the things I, I have a good motive to do. I think there's a lot of people out there with good motives, but man, they, 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 they just take God's word very lightly. Now, I truly believe that God allowed this to happen in David's life to bring him to that place where he had to, you know, once again cry out to God. And I think he does that to every one of us. So that you remember it's nothing of you and it's all of him. Not by any of, of our works of righteousness. Titus 3, 5 says, it says, not by the works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing of regeneration, the renewing of the Holy Spirit. It's not of us. It's not nothing we can do, man. All, all we're doing is just submitting our lives and saying, God, what do you, what do you want to do? How, do? how do you instruct me to do it? I, I've surrendered my will, my, my own feelings, my own passions, my own desires over to you. It's interesting. That it says, though Paul is telling the Christian church that you're not amateurs, man. You're not amateur. You're, you're, not, you're not just a weakened warrior. You're not just a Christian that, that kind of just goes out, you know, you, some of you guys play softball or, you know, have your, your little weekend sport and you just kind of go out and you mess around on the weekends. But you say, you know what, you're a full-time athlete. It's your life. It's what you breathe. It's what you, you know, eat. It's what you sleep. You, 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 you do, you've committed and devoted your life to Christ. And David, David's actions had consequences to others around him. Uzzah was one of those who suffered because of David's neglect of consulting the Word of God. But I, I, I want you to jump down one more place. And it's chapter, chapter 15 still, but let's jump down to verse 25. And so David and the elders of Israel and the captains over thousands went to bring up the ark of the covenant of the Lord from the house of Obed-Edom with joy. 
And so it was when God helped the Levites who bore the ark of the covenant of the Lord that they offered seven bulls and seven rams. Did you notice God helped the Levites? That's something that, that stood out to me, man. God helped Levites. Now, now they, before they were carrying on a cart and, and you know, there's this, this animal stumbling, but now because they're doing it God's way, God now is, is you know, involved. God's in it. And God helped the Levites. And then watch this. Look at, look at verse 27. And David was clothed with a robe of fine linen as were all the Levites who bore the ark, the singers and the Chenaniah, the music master with the singers. David also wore a linen ephod. And all of Israel brought up the ark of the covenant of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the horn, with trumpets and cymbals and making music, with string instruments and harps. And it happened as the ark of the covenant of the Lord came to the city of David that Michael, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw King David whirling and playing music and she despised him in her heart. You see, when you're going to do things God's way, let me tell you, there's going to be those who aren't going to like it. They're going to call you, you know, some fanatical. As David was sharing, you know, the, man, the, the, there's a media blitz going on against our faith, guys. And there's others because we say, hey, we believe this is the inerrant word of God, that this, this, this is truth, that, you know, they, they, they kind of label us as some kind of radical and even compare us to, to some, you know, Muslim mentality. But the reality is, is that David didn't care. He was dancing. You see, he was whirling. He was, you know, just playing music. He, he was just, you know, he, he just, he, he, he abandoned self. And it, and it says that when, when Michael saw it, that she, she went and, you know, just something in her heart, man, it just began, that, that she began to despise David. Now, it's interesting to me that David experienced the grace of God. And when you experience the grace of God, you, you, let, me, let me tell you what happens, man. You, you abandon this life. You abandon your own will, your own desires, because you realize, you know what? I know what I deserve. I know what's, what should be coming to me. I know that because of my actions, I should be separated from God forever. But God in His mercy, in His love, His grace, is willing to take me back again and again and again. And it just blows your mind. And you get to the plane where you say, you know what, I'll, I, 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 wanna, I don't want to blow it anymore. I'm tired of letting God down. I just want to live a life that's pleasing to Him. Because now you know the grace of God. You're not doing it to find favor with Him. You already have favor with Him. And you're doing it because you love Him. You're doing it because everything he's done on your behalf, and, 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 and you know, you, you, it's, it's, it's more out of gratitude, and it's more out of, out, of, out of indebtedness. You're just saying, God, I owe you everything, and I can't earn it all. I can't even, I, there's nothing I can do to gain it. it it's simply because, because of your grace, and I want to play by the rules. I want to make you proud. I want to come back with, with a medal. 
I want to I come back. When I stand before you one day, I want to hear the words, well done, good and faithful servant. Because I know what you've done for me. And I, I want to abandon everything I have in this life so that I can, I can hear those words, man, one day when I stand before him. I, I, I want you to turn one more place with me. It's 2 Samuel, chapter 6. It's the same account, man. Watch this. 2 Samuel, chapter 6. Look at verse 20. The offerings had taken place. All of the things were were going on. But now David is coming back from this bringing of the ark into into this new house that he had built for it. David's, you know, pumped up. David's excited. He's just seen God, you know, deliver him. And now he knows he has favor with God because the ark now was sitting in his house when Obed Edith, you know, he had the ark in his house and he was being blessed tremendously. And David's going, man, I got the blessings of God. I got God's favor. I mean, you know, everything's good. And he comes back into the house. Look at verse 20. And David returned to bless his household and michael the daughter of saul came out to meet him and she said oh how glorious was the king of israel today uncovering himself today in the eyes of the maids of his servants as one of the base fellows shamelessly uncovering himself michael comes and says you know you just made a fool of yourself Everyone's going to mock you. You've just lost respect. You've just lost the dignity of a king. Now, you know, you're, you're a chump in their eyes. That's, that's, what, that's what Michael was telling him. You know, David, well, what, you know, you're, that was foolish. Dancing around twirling like some ballerina for the Lord. And David, you know what? This, this is what I love about David's heart, man. Watch what he says. So David said to Michael, it was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father and all of his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord over Israel. Therefore, I will play music before the Lord and I will even be more undignified than this. And I will be humble in my own sight. But as for the maidservants of whom you have spoken by them, I will be held in honor. And he says, you know what, man? God's the one who watches my back. I don't have to worry about what people think about. I don't have to worry about what people say about me. I don't have to worry about any of those things. Let me tell you what, I wasn't doing it for them and I wasn't doing it for you, man. I'm doing it for the Lord. And guys, you know what? That needs to be our heart, man. Because I'll tell you what, man. You know what? I, I foresee that the days ahead are going to become harder and harder to be a soldier or to be an athlete for the kingdom of God. It's not going to get easier, man. In the workplace, amongst your peers, in our society, you know what? The the heat's being turned up right now. And it's not going to be easy to be a Christian. But who are you going to please? Who are you going to live your life for? Who enlisted you? Who's the one who gave himself for you? Jesus, man. Jesus. And it's him one day that I'll stand before. You see, I, I thank God for the, for the body of Christ here that, that God has put here in Belen. And I, it blows my mind to see what God has done 
and to see what God is doing. And you know what? It, it, it just, I, you know, we're, we're in a little town, you guys know, and, and, and to see what, what God is doing. But let me tell you something, man. I, I'm not here to please the people here. I'm here to please Jesus Christ. That's it. I'm here to please him. And if it weren't for that, I wouldn't be here. I'd be straight with you. Who would move to Belen? <laughs> I remember the first time Pancho came down and, you know, I was kind of showing around Belen. And he goes, this is a calling, man. This is a calling. <laughs> I, I love, you know, I, God gave me a heart for this place, man. This, 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 is, this is where my heart's at. But I'll tell you what, it's only because of Jesus. And you know what? Wherever God has you, man, I, I pray that, you know what, with all of your heart, you do it to please him, man, not to please the leaders, not to please the people in the church, not to please, and you know what? You live your life to please him who enlisted you as a soldier. And David, even his own wife, he says, you know what? I, I didn't dance for you. I didn't do this for you. I did it for the Lord. You know what? And I'll even do more than that because you know what? It's not about you and it's not about me. It's about him. And that's what we need to live our life for, man, for the applause of one, for Jesus Christ. Amen. But watch this. Look at verse 23. Therefore, Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. Who was the one cursed? It wasn't David, I'll guarantee you that. It was those that were laughing and mocking and ridiculing those that were wanting to live their life for the kingdom of God. You see, we're the blessed ones, man. But the world's trying to tell you otherwise. You see what I'm saying? The world's trying to just say, hey, man, you know what? Take it easy. Kind of chill out. You know, you're taking this thing too radical. You know what? You're not taking it radical enough, man. Live your life for him. And then, when we stand before him on that day, we'll hear the words. It's the words, I, you know what? Those are the words that, that motivate me to continue, man. That's what I wake up in the morning because I want to hear those words. Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. And that's what I'm going to live my life for. And I pray that's what you'll live your life for. And maybe you're here today, and man, maybe even feeling discouraged. Maybe, maybe, maybe like when Paul wrote to the church of Corinth, you feel disqualified. Man, you know what? I'm, I'm just sitting on the bench right now. Let me tell you what, man. God is a God of second chances. He's a God of third chances. He's a God of fourth chances. He's a God of a thousand chances. You see, God will restore what the enemy tried to destroy. Like he did to David, man. David was afraid. He was, he was, you know, he was tripping out. And he just said, you know what? Okay, Lord, I want you to guide me. And God says, okay, here's, this is what's going on. I'll build you a house. You know, this is where your enemy's going to attack you. And then David realizes, you know what? God's for me. Let me tell you something, guys. God is for you. He's not against you. And he's got a plan for you. A future and a hope. But you've got to say, God, I, I want to I play by the rules. I want to live my life according to your kingdom. I, I want to I live my life surrendered to you. 